Are you ready to create and grow the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. A bigger audience, more impact, and a new revenue stream. We'll show you how. I'm Jenny Barcelos. And I'm Sandy Connery. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. everyone. Welcome to episode 30 of the Soulful MBA podcast. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hey, Sandy. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everybody. Hey, everybody. And this episode is called Deep. So, Sandy, this whole topic is inspired by a book that you found a few months ago and turned me on to, and we both become like rabid super fans of this book and Mm -hmm. everything it talks about. So why don't you tell folks about the book? Sure. So the book is called Deep Work by Cal Newport, and the subtitle is Rules for a Focused Success in a Distracted World. And I found this book because one of our common friends had listed it as one of her favorite books for 2016. And uh, it's Catherine Lavery who runs the Best Self Co. And so we follow what she does. And when she says that this is a good book, it's sort of a sign to me that we should read it. And I was just completely wowed by the content of this book and the message of this book. And I think it's such an important topic that I don't hear being discussed very much. And so I thought it would be, yeah, so I made you read it. And then of course, it has to be a, a podcast topic. But basically, the, the idea or the premise of the book is that in our society, in our changing world, with internet and with, you know, most of us working on computers all day long, and of course, social media, we live in this state of constant distraction, and are unable to focus and do the deep work that is necessary for our success and for creating new and amazing things. We often sort of spend our time in the shallows where we are just answering an email or responding to a a text message, that kind of thing. And so he's really making a statement for a kind of a warning to us all that if you want to succeed in your work, that you need to set aside time to do some deep work. Yeah, this book is so important. And it's kind of a hard message to really to hear a pre- to hear and and to t- to sort of take him up on what he's suggesting, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's actually, yeah, this makes sense. I totally get it. We all are distracted 99% of the time, um, especially those of us that work online, we're sort of never really offline. But actually implementing his suggestions are a whole other story. Yeah. And he's a professor. He's in academia. So his life is a little bit different than your life and my life running a software company. But what really struck me in the beginning of the book is he gives these examples of historical figures, authors, artists who knew about this concept, you know, hundreds of years ago. One of the examples was Carl Jung, who actually purchased a tower in, I think he was in Switzerland. I think the tower he purchased is in France. And he would leave his patients, I don't remember the frequency, but frequently he would leave and just completely isolate himself to work on his work that was arguing against Freudian concept. And so he realized back then that he needed to completely extract himself from daily life to get something. So anyway, I just was really makes me think like, that hasn't changed as humans doing important work, we still need to do the work, but it is increasingly more difficult in the way we work. Yeah, I think this is really true when it comes to 
an office place or having a business, any anything that's connecting you to your coworkers or your clients, we're, there's sort of this unspoken demand that you're always available. And I think we need to fight that demand mm-hmm. as much as possible, fight against it because it's a, it's dangerous territory, not only for our own mental health and well-being, but also because it prevents us from ever doing original, meaningful work, right? Yeah. We never are able to focus and muse enough away from distraction enough to produce something that's original in the world. And I, I, I think that that's really important. And I, I think that for those of us who are constantly connected because we have an online business or we're entrepreneurs, it's, it takes a very serious amount of dedication to be able to cut yourself off from sort of the internet. <laughs> yeah, and, and the, I don't think many of us realize the importance of doing that work. And one of Cal's arguments is that everyone is just a click away. So you can no longer do kind of okay, mediocre work, because if you're not good enough, I'm going to go find the person across the country or across the ocean or in Australia who can do really great work, because everybody, the entire world is available for me to hire. So before I would have had to hire locally and you could probably be okay and be local and you would have got the business because I can I can reach you and go into your store or pick up the phone. But now in this global economy, I can reach anybody. So it's increasingly important that we shut off distractions and do the work we need to do to be the best at our craft. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that this is the double-edged sword of the gig economy, right? Mm-hmm. One side of it is like, as the purchaser or consumer of cheap labor and on-demand everything, we benefit from that. Like it's convenient and it's easy, it's inexpensive to kind of get anything we want in the snap of our fingers, right? Or the click of a button on an app. So that like we've talked before about like the wonders of on-demand, like meal delivery and, you know, having people come and do chores for us or run errands at the gig economy functions because there are all these innovations in that sector. But then the other side of it is if you're the worker or the entrepreneur, the business owner, you're now competing against a bazillion other people who are on demand, like at the push of a button. And so you have to do some serious thinking about how you separate yourself to stand out from the crowd, how you're going to produce something that's different or better or unique. And how the only way to do that is to be able to have periods of intense concentration and focus. Like you have to be able to, to not just be reacting all the time. And when we're online, so much of what we do is reactive and not proactive. And so it, it really requires this sort of intense determination and intention. In a way, it's sort of self-protection. Like this is your insurance policy against the current direction the economy is going. Yeah, I agree. And it's like, there's not enough awareness of the importance of turning notifications off, right? His uh, explanation of that is, I'm sure that everyone listening has had these days where you can go through an entire workday and feel like you've accomplished absolutely nothing. You've just been reactive, like you said, Jenny. So you answer a couple emails that come in, you text message, you might get a few phone calls, you update your social media, and you can spend your whole day in this really shallow work and not actually accomplish anything other than put out a few fires here and there. And he describes this as the principle of least resistance, because it's easy to respond to that text. It's really easy to just whip off a quick answer for someone who's asked you something. 
And I think that's the way we now work is that if I need something from you, Jenny, right now I'm working on something. I need to know what was that link that you mentioned. I'll just ask you. I'll just interrupt you and ask you because I expect that you will on Slack answer me. Yeah. And I always do. Right. Because you always do. So yeah. that reinforces that behavior. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so one thing that Cal Newport talks about in this book is that there there are so many people when he pitches this concept out, because I think he he talked to a lot of people before he wrote this book. And he's I, what he, you said. He's an academic. I think he's a computer science professor, but he's also he's also a writer. He's a really interesting guy. People would always say to him, well, I understand what you're saying, Cal, but I'm different. Like I, I'm a boss or I'm a CEO or I'm a leader and I have to be responsive to my people. That's my job. And he essentially says like almost no one fits into that exception category. Like if you are the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, then yeah, your entire job is essentially responding to other people, the management that's under you so that they can then take care of the people under them, right? But other than that, unless you're in that situation what you do requires focus if, if you're going to actually excel at it or get better at it. And so he sort of like poo-poos this whole idea that there are all these people think they're exceptions to this. And I and I think that's right. And I, yeah, I, I mean, for those of you, because I sort of was like the whole time I was reading this like, book. This is like, well, this, I don't need to really do this. Like, I really actually need to be responsive on Slack all day. And then I, I saw that and I was like, oh, okay, but, got but what, me. Yeah. <laughs> but what he says is we need to organize our weeks better and plan what we need to do, which is a harder path than just asking on the fly, right? So yeah. if I know that I need, you know, a bunch of links for you from you, I need to set it, you know, plan that out in advance so that when you're available, I get all the information I need so that I can do whatever project I'm working on. And that's hard. And that's not how we're used to working at all. Yeah, well, that's hard. That's what you just said. Like, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to plan. It's hard to be organized. It's hard to not allow yourself to just make exceptions all the time. Well, I'm just going to mosey on over here and work on this thing because it feels light mm -hmm. and easy. I struggle with this. That's why we're doing this podcast, right? Like this is a really, <laughs> this is a rough thing. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is a tool designed to help you teach, train, and coach from anywhere on the planet. If you're a wellness professional looking to take your business to the next level, you can learn more at namastream.com. So what are some other strategies that Cal shares in the book, Sandy, that, that we can benefit from and our listeners can benefit from? Well, I have to be honest, I did struggle. I love the book until the end when he's like, here's how you do it. Here's how you create meaningful work. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, dear Lord. <laughs> I don't know how I can do this. So I do think that his life is so much different because he's in acad academia. He can just shut his door and turn everything off. And he just, you know, writes for hours on end and produces hundreds of. I have to interrupt you, Sandy. I just have to tell you that's the life. <laughs> Sorry. 
I've had that life before. That is the life. He is the except. It's a good life. It's like nobody lives like that except for professors. It's been a particularly, like it's a rough week. It's like a rough week for us because our kids are home and it's summer vacation. And like there's a bazillion distractions and things happening. And like I'm thinking about like just daydreaming about Cal Newport sitting in his like academic office with a lock on the door in a quiet hallway. Oh my God. It is a good life. It's just not real life. It's just he makes it sound easier, I think, because he can do it in his own little world. But yeah, and and my son, I was just lamenting to you that my son just got his first ever cell phone so that I can get a hold of him when he goes out wherever he's going. And he got it, you know, less than 24 hours ago. And he was out last night. And he phones me every five minutes. Like, hey, mommy, mommy. Like every thought that comes into his brain, he phones me now. And it's like <laughs> made it worse. So anyway, anyway. So I do think what he is saying is like about quitting social media because he just chooses not to be on it. And, you know, he explains it that people will say, I need social media to keep in touch. You know, it's important for me to know what my family and friends are doing. And he, his, he sort of questions that. Is it really? Does it really add to the quality of your life? Or should you just pick up the phone and have lunch with that person who you say is so important and really, really connect, you know, face to face? Yeah. So he talks about this like self-imposed like social media exile and he says to try it for 30 days. And he's and he basically says like at the end of these 30 days, you should sit with yourself and ask two questions. Question one is, would the last 30 days have been notably better if I had been able to use this service or this platform? And the second question is, did people care that I wasn't using this service? So social media is a hard one, right? Because we teach people how to use social media. It's part of what we do for a living. (laughs) And it's part of how we make a living. And it's part of how our clients find success and clients. So we can do a whole other podcast on this someday in the future. But I want to interrupt this because we're launching, we're in, in the early stages of launching a social media summer camp this big free camp that we are putting on. We've done a social media challenge that we've taken a thousand people through. This is a this is sort of a contentious point for you and I. And I do have some thinking on it that I want to share with folks because it, I think we, we're putting out mixed messages here. So let me just clarify that. I think that social media has a very powerful role. It can have a very powerful role in your business. And so I'm going to take like separate business and personal, right? So whatever you do on personal social media is, is separate. And I think you should take a detox from it if it makes sense for your life, right? Like do this 30 day detox from it. See if you really missed anything, like put in the Facebook news feed eradicator into Chrome so that you only are getting notifications when people tag you or you're participating in your groups or whatever. Now on the business side, you need to be extremely strategic about how you use social media. Like it needs to be planned and organized and thought out. Like you need to have a reason for why you are on a particular platform and why you are not on others. You need to have a strategy around it that you're revisiting every three months or so to see if it's working for you and if it's driving the bottom line in your business. So I am 100% for using social media, but only to the extent that you're being extremely strategic about it. So if you, if you're just sort of like willy nilly on every platform and you're sort of, you have notifications turned on on your computer and on your phone and you're just responsive to whoever's tagging you on, on Twitter or in Instagram or whoever's messaging you and Facebook, like you need to 
quit that ish, like cut that out. <laughs> that is like the big surprise for this is going to come out when we're in the middle of our social media summer camp this episode. But like surprise, the end of this camp, we're like driving you through all these social platforms and having you try a bunch of stuff. And at the end, it's going to be, OK, so what worked and what didn't and what didn't work? Kill it. And what does work? Focus and do really well right on that platform. So that's the whole that's the jig. The jig is up. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And and the way Cal will explain that is that he says the craftsman approach to your tool. So if you look at social media as a tool in your business, you need to evaluate it like any craftsman would. So if you are a woodworker, do you need to buy every single woodworking tool out there in the world? Or do you buy the ones you absolutely need that will make your job easier or produce a better, better result? So it's adapting a tool only if the positive factors mm-hmm. on your work outweigh the negative ones. And that goes back to our episode one we did a couple weeks ago is that you're not going to focus on, the point is not to focus on every single social media out there. It's which one is most effective for you given your talents and personalities and where your, your consumers or your clients are. Yeah, and I'll just say too, like there's other strategy involved in this too. Like we should do a whole podcast on this, Sandy, because it's really kind of, a lot of information, but if you're spreading yourself too thin, then chances are that the platform or two where you can have a huge impact on your business is not getting enough attention. So mm-hmm. you've, you've not right. learned how to use it well enough and to be consistent on it well enough to see the results that you could be seeing because you're like, oh, well, I need to be everywhere, right? Let's just like bookmark this whole social media conversation. But I think that the point is, is that social media in particular is a detriment to deep work. And so you need to figure out how to make sure that you can peel back your social and your the time that you're, that you're spending sort of whittling away time on social media that's not really achieving anything so that you can have more time for focus deep work and and the reason I mean so so we sort of talked about this early on in this episode is this idea that deep work is rare and that you want to be able to master something that not very many people can master right like you want to set yourself apart from the crowd as a business owner and as a thinker in modern society which means that you need to not be doing what everyone else is doing and that means like figuring out how to set aside these pockets of time for yourself to do like very focused original work. And I, I find that so exciting. Like the idea of just yeah quiet time to create something original. Like it makes me crazy happy. And I think I have been so irritated the last couple of days because we're on day three of summer holidays and my child and my dog are driving me crazy. And I just crave a few hours to do to do deep work. And it's I think it's also interesting to point out, I believe, if I remember correctly, that he says the max amount of hours that we can sit and do deep work is like three to four. So it's not like you need nine hours a day of quiet. I'd take 15 minutes at this point, but um, three to four hours would be great. And Jenny, one other strategy I want to talk about is his idea of embracing boredom. Everybody will get this and everybody should do this. And that impulse we have to pull out our phones and scroll through Instagram or Facebook or Messenger, whatever, is really a detriment to us. It's really quite harmful. And that those periods when you are just sitting waiting for someone or standing in line at the grocery store just to acknowledge that it's okay to be in silence with your own thoughts and not have to pull out your phone. So just in, and be bored, like just embrace the boredom. <laughs> it's because that's where some really creative thinking happens. It's important for our physical brains. Like he makes some pretty 
great arguments and has some, it cites some studies that show that we're actually rewiring, physically rewiring our brains. And that's very scary from this constant barrage of checking everything and, and watching and not being able to just be quiet. Yeah, I think he does cite some neuroscience studies that, that talk about the importance of having free time for your mind. And I think our community would think about this, mm-hmm. not about in, in terms of boredom, but in terms of being present, right? Yep. So this is just the idea that if you're out at a restaurant by yourself, you're not going to be sitting there reading stuff on your phone and like messaging people on your phone. You're going to actually be sitting there observing the fact that you're in a, in a community of other people that you can smell food and and like feel the wind on your face if you're sitting outside, like all of that, like just being physically present to your experience of daily life, that you're, you're noticing sounds and smells and tastes. And um, I mean, you all, if you, like if you're in our community, you likely are very aware of this, right? You just have a different way of thinking about it. And so what we're trying to say in this episode is that this idea of being present is very important, not just for your own sanity and your own sort of like spiritual evolution, but it's also really important for your business. Yeah. And I think of our children when I read this section of the book, because if any of you have children, how often did they say, I'm bored, I'm bored. And I just like, it scares me what we do with our kids who are constantly on their iPad touches or their uh, iPod touches or their iPads or their phones or whatever. Like they are, they are used to constant stimulation and they don't ever have periods of boredom. And I personally need to make more of an effort to allow some boredom in my son's life because I just like, it's a valuable, like you just said, it's a valuable and important way of being that they don't understand. So that is really terrifying to me. So when my daughter tells me she's bored, well, she doesn't say I'm bored. She says boring. (laughs) She walks around. This is boring. This is boring. And I'm like, good. It's good for you. Like, that's my response. And it's not always easy. But she like we have very strict rules around screen time. And she gets screen time because I'm not a Luddite. I mean, I run an internet company. I am not going to not let my child be on a screen, although I'm sure that would be a good idea if I could handle it. But but like she knows like at four o'clock, she's not allowed to see a screen, touch a screen, have anything to do with the screen until like this certain hour of the day. And she learned to tell time really early because I was like, no, you can't watch anything. You can't watch, you know, an episode of Doc McStuffins or whatever until four o'clock. So she... She darn well learned to tell time. And she's like, because she keep asking, what time is it? Is it four o'clock? Is it four o'clock? And I'm like, absolutely not. And so she knows she's got to figure out something to do. If it's not four o'clock, there is no chance that somebody's going to entertain her or some screen is going to entertain her, right? We'll play and we'll do what we need to do. But I also really encourage her to figure out how to entertain herself. And I think that's painful. I remember being a kid and being bored. It's just, it's part of the human experience. It's how you make up games with other kids and it's how you learn how to climb a tree and it's really important that's a really great point he makes in the book so all right do you want to move into joy and hustle you have the joy this week yeah let's move into joy just because it's related to what we were just talking about so given the fact that we are both moms as we were reading this book and and as we've been talking about this concept we were very acutely aware of how this related to our children and our parenting that I just wanted to talk about a book in case you haven't heard of this book and you're also a parent or soon to be parent and you're listening Simplicity Parenting is sort of the classic go-to book for why it's important to allow boredom 
you know, in your child's life. And I, it's a kind of a heavy book. You don't have to read the whole thing. I don't think I read the whole thing. (laughs) I sort of read about it and then skimmed through it because it's like a little bit heavy, but it's a great book. And it talks about the role that boredom plays in in the brain development of kids and the, the socialization of kids and why it's so important for them emotionally to have boredom, but also like it talks a little bit about minimalism in in terms of like getting rid of stuff and not having as much stuff or at least like taking half of your kids toys or like half of their books and putting them away and then like swapping them out every month or so so that it's it's not like you have to get rid of them altogether but you're just producing less stimulus for your children so that they can be more creative and more emotionally stable and calm. So yeah, I can't recommend it highly enough. I think we need Um, an adult version of that. So I'm emotionally stable and calm. I need that. Me too. I think that's what this book is, Sandy. (laughs) Maybe. maybe. I think that's what this is. It's just really hard for us, right? Because we don't have somebody above us telling us no. Yeah, that's right. So the, the hustle for this week is, of course, the book Deep Work by Cal Newport. I think by the end of the year, we should do our favorite books of 2017. And absolutely, this one will be on my list. So I highly recommend it. And we'd love to hear your thoughts about your ability or inability to create space for you to do your deep work. And I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, this is really important. Please grab a copy of the book. If you haven't seen it, you can, I'm sure, find it at your library. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. It's a super important concept. We're going to keep going on this conversation. So look forward to future episodes where we talk specifically about how to do this with social media and in your business with your marketing and that sort of thing. So stay tuned. Yeah. And in your set allotted time of social media, please head over to soulful.mba slash iTunes. We would really love a review, comments, any feedback we appreciate. And thank you to everyone who has done it so far. And we've had a lot of great feedback. So I appreciate everyone putting the effort into sending us a beautiful note. Yeah, thank you all. All right, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Soulful MBA is not just the name of our podcast. It's also the name of our premium business course and community. If you are a wellness entrepreneur who dreams of growing your business online, but you're not clear on your next steps and you wish you had someone to guide you, then we've got something for you. Get Soulful MBA's first syllabus and three free video lessons by heading over to soulful.mba slash sample. Sample.